When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Kosh, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Well, hello once again for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We're pleased, as always, to be part of this always vast and expanding uh, Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Simplecast, and over 40 other podcast platforms. Ah, All right, so we're up to episode 167 here. I'm calling this Consensus Worst Songs. So the idea here, I don't know, I was Facebooking with someone, maybe it was in regular Facebook, maybe it was a private messenger or whatever. Um, often when I have these discussions with people, a light bulb goes off in my in my head uh, to come up with uh, with an episode. Actually, I was talk, talking to a, a, a buddy of mine, Ed, uh, recently, and we were talking about Aerosmith versus the Rolling Stones, and I thought, um, you know, there's a whole episode there in the, um, well, something similar that we did on uh, Sea of Tranquility, uh, this band on steroids kind of thing. But the idea of, uh, of you know, how is Aerosmith an improvement on the Stones and is it really or is it more like uh, you should be comparing Aerosmith with Led Zeppelin? And then that got me thinking and I started debating with Ed on this because he's quite a knowledgeable Stones fan. The whole idea of when did the Rolling Stones get their sound. I won't go any further than that because um, I may actually do a whole episode on that, but it's kind of an interesting question. I started looking into it. Anyways, this is one that came up and uh, and yes, so I'm calling this Consensus Worst Songs. And the whole idea here is, of course, every band has the songs that people love to hate from that band or you know, you know, people have their list of the worst songs by that band. Um, you know, it's there's nothing really interesting in that. Everybody's got to have some songs at the bottom, right? Although it is kind of interesting. Uh, maybe it might be an idea to look at those bands where people are really vehement that this band has no bad songs kind of thing. Because um, it's a little bit like that because what we're talking about here is those bands that, um, you know, they definitely have a song that comes to mind for a lot of people when you think of worst songs, hence the title, uh, the word consensus uh, in the title of this episode. So the idea here is that um, these are bands and these are examples of songs by these bands that would win by a long shot, put it that way. And some of them I cheated where there's one or two. Um, but I, you know, I looked at a whole lot of different bands and realized that there's a lot of bands that Definitely, there is no consensus on on what that band's worst songs are. So, and you know, I want to talk a little bit about the psychology of this and why people do this. Um, you know, well, I'll, I'll I'll mention a little bit now, but this idea that um, I think I think everybody likes complaining about uh, you know certain things that their favorite bands do, and it's nice when you have a really really short 
complaint, you know, the elevator pitch of complaints where you can just kind of dismiss a whole album and say, oh man, that song and that album, right? Sort of thing. Uh, where, where, you know, it, essentially you have a, a short way of communicating a complaint to someone because all you got to mention is, is a song title sort of thing. But some of these are, are um, worse songs by these bands for different reasons. And, and we're going to go into them. Why? Let me see what else I had here. Um, so yeah, you know, I thought, you know these these are songs that maybe are so bad um or so so bad that they're good in an ironic way and maybe the band even jokes about them or maybe they would even trot them out and play them live or these are songs sometimes you know you know irony is a big thing with bands and covering and and rock through the generations so maybe some of these are songs that um bands actually covered by these bands uh, just to be cheeky and and cover what's considered their worst song kind of thing but yeah so the so the idea here again is that um you know these are these are kind of consensus winners people always think of these songs when they're when they're thinking of these bands and uh in the fine tradition of history and five songs with martin popoff i'm going to do the first one as the first one that came uh that came to mind uh, for this before I started going looking for other examples. So something just rushes right to the top of your head and uh, and that is it. That is the clue. So take a listen to this. This is Rush with Tai Chan. All right, Tai Shan. So this is uh, this is an interesting one. So, you know, Rush fans love to debate uh, all of this sort of thing. Uh, you know, worst songs, best songs. Um, Rush fans don't complain a lot, though. Rush fans are more just reverent about everything. But Tai Shan is the one song that always comes to mind. It's from Hold Your Fire, came out September eighth, nineteen eighty seven. So remember, they're getting pretty keyboardy on Power Windows, and they're getting really keyboardy and light and just not heavy at all. There's really no heavy guitar uh, on this record. It's not a heavy album at all. But Tai Shan comes in for a lot of complaint, and the idea is, uh, I think that you know, it was a case of Neil Peart kind of jumping the shark, going too far with his travelogue lyrics, going too far with uh, with the ponderousness and, uh, and uh, you know, knowledge gained from traveling to these far-off places. Maybe it sounds a little elitist as well. Maybe it sounds a little bit cultural appropriation before there was sort of such a term. Um, and it's also very light, and, uh, and, you know, there are hints of sort of Chinese music uh, in it sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, just a quick quote of some of the lyrics here I stood at the top of the mountain and China sang to me in the peaceful haze of harvest time a song of eternity if you raise your hands to heaven you will live a hundred years I stood there like a mystic lost in the atmosphere um, goes on reaching to the eastern sea I looked upon a presence spanning 40 centuries I thought of time and distance the hardship of history so so he's being very professorial here, the professor, and uh, and that I think rubbed people uh, the wrong way as well. Um, and another thing of the psychology of this that comes to mind, um, Hold Your Fire is probably, there's Hold Your Fire, there's Presto, there's Test for Echo, are the, are the records that are sort of least appreciated by Rush. And often you will you will find these songs are going to clump up and, and, and you know, originate from 
the most hated records as well. Um, so it's it's almost like a two-step process where you know you've got the worst record of 12 songs or 10 songs or whatever and then the worst song on that record is is it really stands out because you think okay this is the nadir this is the absolute abyss of the uh, of the um you know the catalog of this band sort of thing so taishan definitely fits that bill um and of course, the other one from Rush, there are two for Rush, and everybody knows if you're a deep Rush fan, you know what the other one is. It's Dog Years from Test for Echo with all those little little doggy puns in it and stuff. Um, uh, season of the Bitch and all that kind of stuff. Um, so again, the idea is not a lot of people appreciate the Test for Echo album. Um, that one's also got uh, got the um, you know the internet song in internet song on it. So you you know we can actually do a whole episode on that. You know so, songs that are about uh, you know nascent technology and and how they sound dated after a while. Cyber this and cyber that. Internet highway right or the World Wide Web right. You know you you hear you hear these phrases thrown around in some of those early songs and th- and then of course you've got the album covers where where it's like early 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 computer graphics and they look terrible now kind of thing right so yeah rush has two of these taishan from hold your fire and dog years from test for echo so let's move on to our second selection here take a listen to this this is twisted sister with be cruel to your school All right, so um, this is from Come Out and Play, which is considered the Jump the Shark album where, you know, it's got the die-cut cover and all that stuff and the ha-ha, kind of cool, Come Out and Play, uh, the Warriors and all that. But it was a bridge too far for for Twisted fans, for fans, you know, even potential Twisted fans, I suppose, uh, as you're moving from Stay Hungry to this record. Um, so, you know, this, re- th- this band has two of these and actually both of these, uh, are from these consensus worst songs are from this record. The other one is is leader of the pack, um, which brings up kind of an interesting point. I mean, some examples that came up. By the way, I got some nice help on this one uh, in terms of some examples that I had forgotten by uh, by Neil Miller and uh, Mick Phelan. Um, so, so so some of this stuff uh, that they came up with. I'll see if I can make sure I mention them uh, later when uh, uh, some examples actually in in our honorable mentions for sure. But there's this neat concept or this this idea that. Um, would we be cheating if we picked covers for this uh, consensus worst song thing? So I, I haven't gone with covers uh, because I think covers is a little bit of a of a cheap laugh. It's almost going too too easy to pick a cover. And Leader of the Pack is a cover. But Be Cruel to Your School is not a cover. Um, you know, Alice Cooper guests on this. He guests singing. So him and Dee do the trade-off vocals. Haha, ha, the two shock rock guys in this song about school. Alice Cooper had school's out. And then he's in the video as well. Um, and they spell it, be cruel to your school. So cruel is spelt like school. So O-O-L. 
And school is spelt like cruel, U-E-L. How clever. You know, it's like be cruel to your school in the name of rock and roll. Be cruel to your school just like a sister or a brother. Be cruel to your school in the name of rock and roll. Well, I don't think I'll make it through another day. It's 8 o'clock and all ain't well. My brain hurts so much it's starting to decay and I'm living in my private hell. Um, Didn't someone tell me this would be great? be the best thing I ever had how come they never told me about the word exaggerate um so yeah it just goes on and on it's just this kind of dopey old rock and roll song it's kind of like a 60s 50s rock and roll sort of song um it's got barrel house piano get to you know barrel house barroom piano in it um horns so it's got some horn arrangements it's got a sax solo so Everything you don't want to hear in a Twisted Sister song is thrown in here. So again, we're back to that whole jumping the shark thing. In fact, I did a jumping the shark episode, didn't I? And I'm, I'm, I, I hope I didn't include this song in that. But it definitely feels like, um, you know, it would be, it would be a perfect example for that. I, w- I won't go into the whole what jumping the shark thing means, but uh, yeah, the funny thing is, I was there for that. It's a happy days episode go go look it up <laughs> anyways this episode of history in five songs with martin popoff is sponsored by better help without a healthy mind being truly happy and at peace is hard the good news is therapy works but what is therapy exactly it's whatever you want it to be maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work not dealing well with stress whatever you need it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy and And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And special offer to History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff listeners, you can get 10% 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash five songs. That's better com slash five songs. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's go on to our third selection and we shall discuss. This is Judas Priest with Parental Guidance. Say Okay, Judas Priest from the Turbo album, April 14th, 1986. Now, this is a very contentious album with Judas Priest as well. This is their, this is their, uh, you know, much vaunted stab at hair metal with guitar synthesizers and all that sort of stuff. So, same sort of thing as Tai Shan, perhaps, or uh, Be Cruel to Your School, for that matter. We've got a a much derided album, and we're looking for the nadir situation on that album the worst thing on that album so so the bad the, the bad thing about this song of course is um it's a really uh it's a really simple um you know mid-speed melodic not much to it no real riff to it sort of musical backing track and it's it's essentially um 
well, okay, so I'll read a little of the lyrics here. You say I waste my life away, but I live it to the full. And how would you know anyway? You're just Mr. Dull. What a great burn there, eh? Um, why don't you get into the things we do today? You could lose 20 years right away. So we say we don't need no parental guidance here. So, you know, there's, there's an element of, um, you know, this is a band that's been around a long time. You eventually consider them adults, so here they are. You know, we're speaking for the youth, but they they aren't they aren't the youngest band in the world. So you don't you don't consider them you know kids, young rock and roll rebels really by Turbo at this point. They've tried many different things through their career. They were absolutely the best band ever in any genre uh, from 1976 to 1979. They're legends, right? And but here they are, like, hey, it's all about the kids, and we're the kids, and we're representing the kids, and uh, we actually literally are kids and we're singing to you there's there's that kind of feel to it right so it feels really really pandering it's obviously and it obviously is pandering it's also saying to you know all those old school Judas Priest fans or whatever age you are of Judas Priest fans but it's it's saying to you that uh, we think our fans are 12 years old uh, kind of thing right so so they're saying you know we, we think our fans are just kids and they're gonna love this horse sort of thing um, and you know there's the idea with this song um, it's called parental guidance which is a very strict term um, because that term also is in the in the parent uh, parents music resource center P PMRC sort of thing so so uh, you know the with the parental guidance stickers right so the idea here is is it's written uh, as a response to uh, Tipper Gore and the whole PMRC uh, thing uh, where eat me alive was one of the songs that was uh, complained about and then and then you know this was this all you know the Senate or wherever they, I mean, there were, there were hearings about this whole thing and, uh, and it ended up, you know, uh, kind of a win for the PMRC, I, I suppose in terms of, you know, there, there were, you know, parental guidance stickers put on, uh, put on albums, but yeah, so it's written, uh, in a, in a bit of a response to that. But again, the, the whole thing is, uh, with this song is, um, the lyric is super annoying. Um, the way it's sung is super annoying. It sounds almost like a school schoolyard thing. Um, the music is super annoying. Um, and you know, as we learn later, I mean, this is this is raging coke and alcohol alcohol years for um, for Rob. You know, you you read his uh, autobiography, and uh, and you know, it's very it, there's really not a lot about the music in it, and you really get the feeling at this point in time. He's he's uh like just he's checked out of the band. He's not writing anything in in a big way. It's hard to get anything out of him. It's like oh let's just get the job done sort of thing. Now the funny thing with Priest is that um you know and and with some of these um let's see have any of them ones so far or am I talking later? Uh anyway so yeah I mean there's the idea that different generations can have different songs like this that are consensus worst songs. So parental guidance is one that has been around for a long, long time, and it's been a song that's complained about for a long, long time. But Priest, 20 years later, I guess 19 years later, came up with a song called Loch Ness. Um, so they had this song, Loch Ness, on, on the much-vaunted comeback album, Angel of Retribution, 2005, and, uh, and it's 13 minutes long, uh, longest thing Priest ever did uh, up to that point. I think probably it, probably it is still, right? Um, anyways, super long song, and it's and it's written about the Loch Ness monster, uh, and it's very annoying for a lot of reasons. Number one, it's written about the Loch Ness monster. Remember Exodus got it for writing about piranhas, right? Um, but uh, yeah, we've got gray mist drifts upon the water. The mirrored surface moves. 
Awakened of this presence, dispelling legend's proof, a beastly head of onyx with eyes set coals of fire. Its leathered hide glides glistening, ascends the heathen briar, uh, heathered briar. This legend lives through centuries, evoking history's memories, prevailing in eternities. On and on and on. Loch Ness, confess. I don't know what that's all about. Your terror of the deep. Loch Ness, distress. Malingers, what you keep. Loch Ness, protects mon monstrosity. Loch Ness, confess to me. I guess I guess Rob's saying, oh, uh, the lake, Loch Ness, confess your secrets to me kind of thing. But... And the other thing that's super annoying about this song is that the whole Loch Ness, Loch Ness, Loch Ness thing sounds like a like a Russian folk tune. It sounds like it sounds like um, except when they when they get into their sort of uh, you know Russian backing vocals phase. Um, so yeah, just kind of ridiculous uh, all the way around. Okay, let's move on to our fourth selection here. Take a listen to this. This is the Police with Mother. Well, the Okay, the Synchronicity album, the famed, famed, huge, massive Synchronicity album where the band are fighting like cats and dogs. They're really not getting along. This is the last album they'd ever make, you know, following up the awesome Ghost in the Machine. And this one's more of a Peaks and Valleys album. It's got every breath you take on it. Um, it's got some good kind of deep, thoughtful, scholarly police, but it's got every breath you take, uh, you know, and it's got some other sort of really kind of downwound, quiet sort of songs. Um, so it feels, uh, overall, it feels like a bit of a subdued album. But there's this song, Mother. So this is Andy Summers singing and writing this thing. And so so you're also with this song, Mother. You're also getting the idea that, you know, the band is sort of breaking apart and they're going into their different factions. And we've got songs by certain people that are showing up. But... Um, but what it is, so Andy's singing it, but he's more like shouting it, and, and you know he's he's mad at the domination of his mother in his life kind of thing. It's a it's a pretty cool, funny song. Uh, the music on it is really crazy and uh, and dissonant, and reminds you a little bit of uh, of King Crimson, maybe a combination of both versions of King Crimson's the eighty the eighties version and and the seventies version. Um, but uh, but yeah, as Andy has said, there, there's a quote from him. Um, Let's see. We all have our family situations, and I had a pretty intense mother who was very focused on me. I was sort of the golden child, and there I was sort of fulfilling all of her dreams by being this pop star in the police. I got a certain amount of pressure from her. It's not heavy. It was written kind of ironic to be kind of funny, but crazy. It's inspired a little bit by Captain Beefheart. It's something that's really off the wall. It was very bizarre. I think it freaked the record company out. When the album came out, we had all the press in the world watching us and talking about it. The reviews came in and that song got written about so much because it was so off the wall and so ballsy to do that. Because the band was having so much commercial success. There's a lot of things to unpack in there. It's true. This album, you know, is a really high stakes corporate album. It's going to go on to sell a lot of copies and it totally did. It's, it's multi, multi platinum. I didn't look up what it was, but I don't know, four, seven times, something like that. Um, but huge album um and and it is kind of the uh the um not the waste but the um 
but the risky use of uh, of three minutes or whatever it is on on this uh, on this record. Um, you know, he mentions Captain Beefheart, and you can hear Captain Beefheart in there too. And and I think you hear it more in his vocal than anything else. Um, not not particularly the music, but a little bit the music as well. Um, the other thing I want to mention here, though, is um, you know, Police had a had a great sort of history of doing these sort of off the wall songs, but they also had quite a trend where they would use them as B sides. Um, so there was, a, you know, I remember as a kid getting a, what what was a dead end job at landlord and and uh, what is it Shambhala I think it's called. But there's 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 a lot of these cool cool um, uh, Police tracks uh, that you know hidden. Uh, yeah, I, I've got this awesome ping. Uh, uh, police box set that that uh, gathers all this stuff together is really cool one of the early box sets where, they, where you, they were giving you everything but so they did they did this kind of stuff and it's really cool that they did but um he's right about um you know it's a pretty big deal sticking a song like that um you know on on such a big album and uh and it truly fits this episode perfectly you know consensus worst songs it's the it's the one song from the police that most police fans will put their hand up and say that was that was a bridge too far you know and one i thought of uh as well and i think mick Phelan thought i thought of that one because i thought of only kind of like a weak song for the police where i was thinking ah is it is it really good enough to do as a as a thing so i've got this category of uh ah, sort of's right um um, but I was thinking da do 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 da 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 because I remember as um, when we were coming up as police fans, um, you know that records and Yada Mondata uh, was annoying to me and my buddies because it seemed like just a thin weak tea version of Regatta de Blanc and uh, and then it had this nonsense song on it so so it had a nonsense lyric. Um, but it was also just kind of like a poppy, watery, weak, light version of uh, of what made Regatta de Blanc so cool. So the song itself, the music was annoying, and then it had this lyric, which brings up another one of these uh, these kind of situations where. Uh, Radio Gaga, for example. Uh, Radio Gaga is a song that a lot of fans, uh, you know, maybe you're a mid-level Queen fan and said, hey, what's the worst worst Queen song of all time? You might come up with that one because you're thinking of a nonsense title, right? Uh, you you know it's a nonsense title, so that annoyed you right off the bat. Uh, and, but then, you know, if you really know your Queen catalog, there's there's definitely a lot worse songs. Um, but I thought that was kind of interesting how da-do-do-do-da-da-da-da um, totally leads you to Radio Gaga as possibly a worse Queen song. And on the Queen front, I, I want to mention, you know, uh, there, I don't think there really is a consensus, but you know, deep, deep Queen fans will mention something like staying power or body language. So they'll they'll find some, the Invisible Man. Um, so be, because you can think of these choruses and these synth lines and all this stuff. So so Queen is more like a band. There might be a few, and and you know, there's no super big one that comes to mind. I don't know. Some people might say crazy little thing called love. Some people might say another one bites the dust, right? Um, which brings up another point, this idea of, um, you know, is it easier to, to come up with these things when you're thinking of like super famous songs? Anyways, let's move on to our fifth selection. Take a listen to this. This is Iron Maiden with the Angel and the Gambler.
All right. So um, this is one that Neil. Uh, 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 yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think Neil Neil uh, Miller came up with this one. Um, so great choice uh, because uh, when people complain about Iron Maid, this this yeah, this was the other one I was thinking about where it's a little bit generational. So. Um, so the angel and the gambler. Uh, this is from Virtual Eleven. It's cons- you know many many uh, Maiden fans now consider this the worst Maiden song of all time. It's uh, it's nine minutes and fifty two seconds long, but it's written uh, to the point where it should have just been a short song. Uh, and the thing that people legendarily remember about this song is a couple things. But one is this: uh, Don't you think you could save me? Don't you think you saved my life? Or whatever the heck it is that that blaze is is tortured into singing over and over and over again dozens and dozens of times this this completely lackluster dull chorus steve's like no you got to sing it over and over and over and over again and then there's also this really really dated sort of casio casio little synth line and i i dare to even call it a line because it's just literally one note stabs it's ridiculous right um and it's also just a really pedestrian song. Doesn't it's not metal. It's not hard rock. Like what is it? It just kind of kind of goes along. Um, very very dull song. Um, and uh, as uh, just a quote from my my Iron Maiden book, um, Holy Smoke, Iron Maiden in the nineties. Uh, let's see what does it say here. The Angel and the Gambler, subject of a famous row between Steve and Rod. Steve winning the argument to make the song the first single from the record against Rod's wishes. So they had a big fight about this. Uh, Rod did not want it to to, to come out this way. But um, and then I say uh, uh, attracted a fair bit of stick for its piercing, simple keyboard part, along with the chorus repeated too many times. Um, let's see. Uh, there was a video done for it. Uh, Steve says when I came up with that song idea, I put it a mini tape recorder while I was driving down the motorway the M4 Wales and I distinctly remember saying to myself this reminds me of the who meets the UFO um, I don't think there's any who in it or UFO in it but anyway so he says so I took it in that direction it has a real 70s feel to it rhythm wise yeah it does which means nothing happens rhythm wise it's just dull um, anyways um, yeah uh, the whole thing's not produced well and all that but the other point I wanted to make here is that uh, this generational point What's the other famous, famous, famous Maiden song um, for being the worst Maiden song of all time? Well, Quest for Fire, right? So you had this, when dinosaurs walk the earth, and you know, so you had this song on Peace of Mind, uh, and the funny thing is Peace of Mind is probably, you know, more or less consensus, the most revered Maiden album. Everything else on, on it is amazing, so it's it's kind of the whole different, uh, you know, different from Virtual Eleven. Everything else is amazing, so it made Quest for Fire stand out. Um, it made that song stand out where you thought this kind of didn't need to be here. It didn't need to be written. It looks like for the story, for the old caveman story, that they're kind of like grasping at straws. It's like we need a topic, we need a song. Bruce, how about caveman? That kind of thing. Uh, and even the music on it, you know, the music is sort of standard. Um, typical Iron Maiden, not particularly terrible, but you know, you just think along the along with the other songs, which are exciting and they they really feel like they have a reason to exist. This just feels like perhaps like a a weaker version of Flight of Icarus. Okay, we kind of have one of those on here. We don't need to put the weaker one on here. Um, so so that's uh, something else that happens with these songs. But yeah, I thought it was funny that Maiden has two, and they're and they're generation generationally uh, apart. Um, okay, 
Just a few other examples here, honorable mentions. Uh, Led Zeppelin, I thought there were two, uh, Jamaica and Hot Dog. Uh, yes, I thought Don't Kill the Whale. King Crimson's a funny one. Um, could be something like Heartbeat, uh, you know, what? You know, one of the mellowest songs from the 80s period. That 80s period rubs, rubs people the wrong way. I love it. Uh, Aerosmith doesn't really have one, but I always think of Aerosmith and Cheap Trick. For me personally, I always go to like, I don't want to miss a thing for Aerosmith and The Flame for Cheap Trick. I think of their worst egregious, worst examples of power ballads. And I think a lot of people would, um, you know, those songs would come to top of mind for this. In my less strong department, I was thinking Motley Crue, what would that be? So I thought Smoking in the Boys Room maybe, but it's a cover. And then uh, uh, Neil came up with Brandon, so that was a good choice. Bluish Occult doesn't really have one, but for me, what rises is Beat 'em Up, uh, usually. Kiss doesn't really have one, I don't think, uh, because, you know, there's so many angry Kiss fans in different factions de depend, you know, defending the worst things that uh, Kiss ever did. Um, so, you know, I almost venture not to even name a song because I don't think you really could. Ted Nugent doesn't really have one, but people lean to uh, the funny titles like um, Terminus El Dorado, Thunder Thighs, My Love is Like a Tire Iron. Genesis is a funny one. Um, I I thought, I see Neil Miller suggested this, but I thought, what, am I thinking this right? You know, even before he suggested, I thought, yeah, it kind of is, right? I thought they don't really have one, but then he said, who done it? And it's true. People point out who done it because it's almost like Mother by the Police. It's really kind of abrasive and weird and new wavy, uh, and it definitely caught people off guard. Um, I don't think I don't feel like Alice Cooper has one of these. I don't really feel if what the Grateful Dead one is. Maybe Deadheads uh, have have one um, that I don't know about. Metallica doesn't really have one. I don't think. Um, you know, uh, no, I I don't even want to go there actually. Black Sabbath doesn't really have one, although you think possibly illusion of power and you think of the rap right so here we go with rush and roll the bones with the rap you know people say that's that's rush's worst moment right when they when they have the little rap on there right um elp uh i thought maybe lucky man gets a little bit of abuse i don't know um neil mentioned taste of my love um I didn't think, here's here's a good one that Neil came up with. So I didn't really think ACDC had one, but he suggested Mistress for Christmas. People joke about that song. It's a Christmas song, which is kind of a cheap move to put on one of your albums. They did that. It's a funny haha song. It's not even all that great. But yeah, that's a good one. So so I think, I think if you asked ACDC people this question, it would take them a long time to come up with anything but as soon as you mentioned mistress for christmas they would go ah you're right that is it um whole bunch of other bands i thought didn't really have one um let's see he mentioned heart all i want to do is make love to you um he and uh, and mick Phelan both mentioned so this is a good one M megadeth crush em, and breadline and i totally remember when those came out the abuse megadeth took for those songs so definitely uh very very good point there um Quiet Riot, I thought maybe, you know, Jumping the Shark with the second Slave cover, a uh, Slade cover, uh, uh, Mama, We're All Crazy Now. Um, uh, let's see, Nick, uh, uh, Neil, Neil also mentioned um, David Bowie, The Laughing Gnome, Dream Theater, You Not Me, Starship, We Built This City, Def Leppard, Long, Long Way to Go, uh, Queensryche, What We Do, Guns N' Roses, My World, you know, uh, Offspring, Cruise in California, The Beatles, Mr. Moonlight, all of these I, I don't I don't know if the deep fans would would pick these I I just don't really have the knowledge of of some of these uh, like like the Def Leppard and Bowie I'm a massive fan uh, but those wouldn't wouldn't have come to mind for me uh, Mick Phelan writes of of Crush'em 
uh, is reviled as a symbol of risk chasing techno sounds, but insomnia is worse. I think with risk, people let the media tell them it is so awful, when in fact there are decent songs. It's not their worst song, and Crush Em isn't their worst song. Megadeth have many hated songs. Um, worst song, poor, yeah, then he goes on and mentions, you know, their cover of Anarchy in the UK wasn't a great idea. A Tout Le Monde, redoing that with with uh, Christina Scabia, that was a little bit of jumping the shark moment. Um, you know, I also thought for this episode, you, you could have included maybe something uh, like Raven doing a Gimme Some Lovin'. So here we are back into the covers. Um but yeah, that's kind of kind of it. Um, you know, I mean, uh, Mick mentions a few other things where he kind of gets into album terrain, like Carcass, Swan Song, Metallica, Saint Anger. But that isn't really what this uh, what this episode is about. I yeah, basically to sum up, I wanted to see what are those bands where there literally are you know really really like far and away winners, and that was the whole idea. Um, all right, if you like this episode or this show and want to support future episodes, uh, please uh, go to Kofi uh, Rhymes with No Fee dot com slash Martin Popoff, hit that red support button and buy me a coffee or a pint. This week, I would like to thank Joe Becht, Bel Air Expediting. I'm gonna go on Joe's uh, show uh, shortly. We're gonna we're gonna get an episode done. He's come up with some really cool ideas for his own YouTube channel. Um, Bruce Campbell, David Fisher, Justin Griffin, Peter Kerr, Jamie Laszlo, Reed Little, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, Steve Polari, and Michael Thurston. There you go. Um, MartinPopoff.com. For, uh, for all your book needs. I know the Angel book says sold out, but I do have the Angel book. Um, and I haven't done any drawings for a while, but I'm going to get back to that so you can see all that stuff at my Art Pal site. Um, and yeah, the Bowie book. Uh, still have a, a supply of the big, lush, awesome uh, David Bowie book. Uh, I know it's kind of expensive, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's a nicest book ever done for me. Uh, so there you go. Uh, go play some of these uh, Consensus Worst songs if you are brave, and uh, we shall talk to you next week. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at The RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.